Email marketing is one of the most powerful tools for connecting with readers and selling books. So obviously you want a lot of email subscribers, but it doesn't matter how many subscribers you have if they don't open and read your emails. So how do you craft the kind of emails that not only capture your reader's attention, but also help you sell more books? Well, find out in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a living writing books worth talking about. Now, there's three aspects of an email that affect the open rate. And the first is the from line, (laughs) the from line. This is actually the most important element of your email when it comes to getting open. And it makes sense, right? If your significant other sends you an email, you're going to open it regardless of what the title is, what the subject is, or any other element of that email. Or if your boss sends you an email, you're going to open it simply because your boss's name is in the from line. So change your name in the from line with fear and trembling. If you're just getting started in your career, this is why figuring out your pen name, exactly what it's going to be is so critical and why you don't want to fiddle with it. A good email opening from line, you can also see it as your reward for doing email well, for sending the kinds of emails that have thrilled your readers in the past. The more you thrill your readers, the more of a reputation you have with your readers, the more likely they are to open your emails. This is also your reward for doing an onboarding sequence well. An onboarding sequence is a series of emails that drip out to your new subscribers, introducing them to you and introducing them to your writing. I have a whole episode on onboarding sequences that even has a worksheet that helps you put together an onboard plan. And I'll link to that. It's a free episode and the worksheet is also free. And you can find a link to that in the show notes at authormedia.com slash 406. But there's something else that has to do with building up a good reputation so that from line really sings. And I can sum it up with three words. Give consistent value. So let's break those down. Give. You want to have an attitude of generosity, an attitude of service. You want this email to be something that people would be willing to pay for and are pleasantly surprised to find out that it's free. The emails that you send out are not for you. They're for your reader. And if you have this attitude of generosity, it changes everything. This is the top button of your shirt. If you get this right, all the other buttons below will line up. The second word in our three-word strategy is consistent. Give consistent. So readers will forget about you if you wait too long to email them. Not only that, but email addresses occasionally expire. People get a new internet service provider, they get a new job, or for whatever reason, their old email address stops working. Now, for a short time, any email sent to that old email address will bounce. You'll get an immediate response that says this email is no longer valid. But if you wait too long to send your email, it no longer will bounce and instead becomes an auto-spam honeypot. And anyone who emails that email address is automatically marked as spam. This is something a lot of authors don't know about. And if they don't email their lists frequently enough, they find that their emails all go to spam because of these rotten emails that are poisoning their list. And all you have to do to clear these emails off your list is to just email your list at least once a quarter. That's it. Only four times a year. It's not 
much of a commitment. I recommend sending more than that, but at least you have to send quarterly to clear off the bounces. When you get a bunch of immediate quote unquote unsubscribes from your email newsletter, they aren't people clicking unsubscribe. They are your email platform, whatever you're using, ConvertKit or MailerLite, automatically unsubscribing the email addresses that have expired. So this isn't actually have anything to do with you and it shouldn't hurt your feelings because there's no human in the loop here. This is just a, this email address is no longer valid and ConvertKit unsubscribes that person so that you won't become a honeypot for them. So you know you have to send your emails at least quarterly, but how often should you send your emails? Well, it depends. And who it depends on is your Timothy. Some readers really like hearing from authors. They're very fanatical. The most fanatical readers are probably in the romance space, followed by fantasy and sci-fi. These genre readers are happy to hear from an author as frequently as weekly. Tammy Lebrecht, who wrote the book Newsletter Ninja and who I interviewed on this podcast a couple of years back, uh, recommends a weekly email schedule. And her focus is romance. That's what she writes. And that's her primary audience for her book. And I think for romance readers, a weekly frequency is not a bad frequency. Evan Gao, who runs Story Origin and who spoke at the Novel Marketing Conference, recommended a fortnightly frequency. So that's every two weeks. And Evan Gao and his research has found that a fortnightly frequency has the highest open rates. I think that if you're unpublished, monthly is the best frequency. It forces you to have something to share every month, but you're not going to have news every week. And I think that's too frequent of an email newsletter. But as long as you're sending quarterly, that's the bare minimum. But I think that for most authors, either monthly or fortnightly is a good frequency. But again, it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what your readers say. So give consistent value. Our third word is value. And when I'm talking about value, I'm meaning financial value. So the question that should guide you is what would people be willing to pay for? You want to shoot for Substack quality emails. So if you're not familiar, Substack is an email and blogging platform where people pay to get email newsletters. Some of them are free, but you can charge. You can have a free version and a paid version. And there's a lot of independent journalists who are making a living and a lot of authors who are making a living getting paid to send emails. And if you don't believe me, go to Substack and subscribe to some of the emails. The key here is value. And that value is different depending on the topic and the audience. So most people are looking for either encouragement, entertainment, or education. One of those three things is often going to be your path forward. If your emails are always funny and always entertaining, people are willing to pay for that. And if they find out that it's free, they will open it right away. The same for encouragement, the same for education. And when I say education, it can be educating somebody on a topic. This is the strategy we use for the author media newsletter. We try to make every single email educational and helpful, but it also could be educating somebody about the news, right? What's going on in the news or some commentary of what's going on in the news. So education is pretty broad here. Another way to share value with your audience is any new reader magnet that you're creating to encourage new people to sign up for your list. Make sure to share it with your email subscribers. That's a free email. You've done all of the work for the reader magnet and one email to your list can just be sharing that cool free thing that the new subscribers get. All the old subscribers get it as well. If you're blogging or podcasting, those blog posts and podcast episodes make for great 
email newsletters. You can include the entire blog post and put it in the email, or you can do what we do and just include the first two or three paragraphs and then include a link to read the rest of the blog post. Which will work best for you depends, I think, a little bit on how long your blog posts are. Our blog posts are two, three, four thousand words long. So we don't put that many words into the email. But some people prefer a really long email and they hunker down and read it. One email that I pay to subscribe to is the hot sheet by Jane Friedman. And that email is consistently so long that I have to click a link at the bottom of Gmail to read the rest of the email. It goes over Gmail's word cap. Another way that you provide value is with guest interviews, right? If you've been a guest on a podcast or a radio show and you can link to that, you can share that with your audience as well, as long as it's an interesting email. So that is the from line. That's how you build a good reputation with your reader. They need to know who you are. They need to like you and they need to trust you. If you get that one element correct, almost the rest of this episode doesn't matter. But we're going to talk about it as well. Because I know what you're all here for, and that's the email subject line. That's what everyone thinks of when they think of open rates. And believe it or not, the email subject is the least important element when it comes to open rates. The from line is far more important than the email subject, but the email subject is important. But I want to take some of the pressure off. You don't need to stress about the subject lines. In my tests, they rarely account for more than a 5% swing between a good subject and a bad subject. And often it's much less than that. And the key here is to experiment. Every email service provider that I've ever used has supported A-B testing. Even the terrible ones like MailChimp and Constant Contact, even the awful ones like those, allow you to send some of your subscribers one subject and some of your subscribers another subject. And then it will monitor to see which subject gets the most clicks or which subject gets the most opens. And then it will send the better performing email subject to the balance of your list. So you can educate yourself very quickly as to what works and what doesn't work with your audience. You may find that cryptic subjects of just one or two words works better than a long subject that tells them exactly what's in the email. You may find that promising something that the reader wants works best, or you may find that making the reader curious works best. And you may find that emojis help improve the open rate. I've seen really good results from including emojis in the email subject, but I don't often do it partly because I struggle to know what kind of emojis would be appropriate. But one thing I have started doing is including emojis in specific emails tied to a course. So if I have a course or a conference, all of the emails related to that course or related to that conference will have the corresponding emoji at the beginning. So the emoji for the Novel Marketing Conference was a taco, an Austin taco. So I included the taco emoji in every conference-related email. And that seemed to work well. We had a 60 to 80% open rate on those emails. And that's it on subjects. Really, you don't have to stress about them. Experiment and approach your email subjects with a attitude of fun and an attitude of play. That's the way to get to the subjects. Don't stress about the email subject. because What really affects open rates is the from line. And what makes that from line valuable is the third element, which is the email content. What on earth do you put in your emails. The group of people who whine about this the most are unpublished authors. Oh, they love whining about not knowing what to put in their emails. (laughs) So let me tell you right now what to include 
in your emails. And the most important thing to include in your emails is the word you. (laughs) Make the email about your subscriber. You're an unpublished author. You're not very interesting yet. So don't make the emails about you. And pro tip, even if you are a published author, still don't make emails about you. The email is about the reader. So ask yourself, what would be interesting to the reader? Very often, this is news. It could be news about you. Right? What's progress are you making on your next book? Your core readers, that's the most thing they want to know about. But it could also be your commentary on the news overall, right? What's going on in politics? What's going on in your local area? What's going on in your genre? There's a lot of different kinds of news. And news is one of the most popular elements to include in a newsletter. <laughs> it really does work. A roundup of the news, it works. The hot sheet newsletter that I pay real money for is nothing but news and commentary on the news. But this also could be news about how well your book is selling, your commentary or reactions to book reviews or reader feedback. There's lots of things that are quote unquote news. Think anything you could share that would cause your reader to say, that's great news. <laughs> that's news. Your reviews of content related to your book. If you are writing a superhero book, you should be reviewing all of the superhero movies. Are you not liking the direction the superhero movies are going in? Make that clear to your readers and explain what you would have done different if you would have made the most recent Marvel movie or DC movie. But it could also be reviews of similar books in your genre. What I like about this practice, especially if you're unpublished, is that it forces you to read books in your genre. Some authors don't feel like they need to do this, and that is a terrible, terrible mistake. Because if you don't know what's going on in your genre, you will be accidentally repetitive. And that's the worst kind of repetitive to be. You want to use the tropes in your genre on purpose and not blunder into being derivative without even knowing it. That's that's no good. Uh, you can also share recommendations of a book you just straight up think, if you like the kind of book I write, you are going to like this book and you recommend that book. So reviews or recommendations. Discounts work. People love getting discounts. And I wouldn't just have discounts, right? That's not enough to carry an email newsletter for authors typically, unless you're really good at doing research on discounts. (laughs) But it's a great seasoning to make the emails that you're sending interesting. You send a normal email and you're like, oh, by the way, I write dragon riding books and the similar dragon riding book is $2 off this week on Amazon. Links to other content around the web. This is so easy to do. Adding a hyperlink to your email, they all can do it. And as you're finding interesting things related to your genre, relating to your book, relating to the news or whatever, link to that content. Every author media email that we send has at least 10 different links to 10 different interesting places. So whatever the subject of the email is, doesn't have to carry the email. Somebody may not be interested in that particular episode, but they may still open the email to see what the other links are to the other resources around the web. You can also include photos if you want. Kids, pets, and cover reveals never fail to thrill. And a well-told personal anecdote can actually work if it's well-told. Don't give away the ending. Have tension, have drama, have a satisfying conclusion. Follow all the rules of flash fiction. And if you do that well, a well-told personal anecdote can actually work. So when I say... Don't make the email about you. I mean that. And a well-told personal anecdote isn't about you, even though you're the subject or the hero of the anecdote. That anecdote is about thrilling your reader. (laughs) And if it's well-told, it will do that. 
And the final thing to include in your email is a question for your subscribers. This is such an effective thing to include in an email because it causes them to email you back. And them emailing you back can increase your deliverability to their inbox. It makes you less likely to go to spam. It makes you less likely to go to promotions. And it also helps you get to understand your reader a little bit better. So every email should trigger responses from your subscribers. <laughs> now, there is one way to get a million responses to your email, which I learned this week. And that is to include a massive typo in the first paragraph of your email. I emailed out promoting an upcoming webinar and I put oh, Friday instead of Wednesday. And about every 15 minutes, I got somebody else emailing me telling me that I didn't know how a calendar worked. Some people were nice. Some people were confused. Some people were not nice, but it got a lot of email responses. And I know people in YouTube videos who will include mistakes just to give comment or something to comment on to boost it in the algorithm. Now, I did not put this mistake in on purpose, and I did send out a correction email the next day, but it got a lot of responses. <laughs> Another thing I will say about the content of your emails is to feel free to experiment with the format of your email newsletters. Your email newsletters can include multiple elements. So as I'm talking about like discounts and links and reviews and well-told personal anecdotes and photos and questions, all this stuff, you can include some mix of those. And after a while, you'll find a formula that's reproducible that resonates with your audience. And to give you an idea of what this formula looks like, let me share with you the author media email format. So I know most of you subscribe to the author media email newsletter. And the first element that we include in every email is news. So this is typically an upcoming free webinar. A course has gone on sale. A course is about to close or it's registration is about to close or news about an upcoming conference. So it's typically news about what's going on in author media world. And if we don't have any news, which is most of the time, we leave this out. <laughs> so the next element is whatever the latest episode is. So we'll have the title of the episode and then two or three paragraphs of text kind of summarizing the episode and explaining why it's worth listening to, why this episode will benefit you if you find out about it. And also help people figure out if this episode is for them or not. And then below that, we'll have related blog posts to that episode. So every episode that we make is also has a blog version. So we'll link to the episode and the blog version for related topics. So the email newsletter that we send promoting this episode will link to other episodes that we've done about email newsletters and specifically about the deliverability content elements of email newsletters. We do a lot of episodes on email. We've been doing them for 10 years. <laughs> so we have a lot of related content to link to. And then below that, we have a section called recent blog posts. So not everybody opens every email. And so if somebody missed last week's email, they can see some of the other blog posts that they may have missed. So between the related blog posts, the recent blog posts, the news and the episode that we're featuring, and sometimes we'll feature some conversation, authormedia.social, we're looking at at least 10 different links to 10 different articles that we feature. So we try to give something interesting in every single email. Now, you're probably not going to copy that exact format, but once you start understanding how emails are formatted and what the elements are, all the other author email newsletters you're subscribed to, you'll start to see, oh, okay, I can see 
they're opening with an anecdote and then they're sharing some news about their upcoming book. And then, right, you'll start to see how the recipe works and you can figure out what works best for you. Another tip on improving the content of your email is to watch your numbers. So your email service provider like MailerLite or ConvertKit, those are the two that I recommend, they both will share with you your open rates, which can be useful when comparing one of your emails to another. Uh, your click-through rates, which is much more useful because that's a more reliable number. Open rates are a little hard to measure these days, but click-through rate is the gold standard. And then unsubscribe rates. So you're always going to get unsubscribes anytime you send an email if your list is of any size right some people get busy some people's email address changes what have you but if certain emails have a much higher than normal unsubscribe rate that's when you should be concerned it's like oh maybe this uh, rubbed people the wrong way or wasn't what people were looking for Another way to improve the content of your email is to survey your subscribers. Create a form on Google Forms and have a few questions, just real quick questions, that give you an idea of what your subscribers want more of and what they want less of. This can be transformative for your list. I have a whole episode on surveying your readers that we'll link to. This is a really powerful technique. Many authors never ask. And if you don't ask, your readers won't tell. <laughs> so survey your readers. It's a great practice. Do listen to that episode. Another tip on the content is to avoid fancy designs. There's pressure in a lot of email tools like Constant Contact and MailerLite to use some sort of like email template. Lots of graphics and fancy designs. And I don't recommend that. One, it doesn't look good on mobile, which is where most people read most emails. But two, it makes the email feel very corporate and impersonal. And that's not what you want. Your biggest asset as an author is that you're a human being and not a corporation. Many corporations go out of their way to try to make themselves feel like a person rather than a faceless corporation, right? Geico spends millions of dollars to make you think that they're really just a friendly gecko. <laughs> so you can do that for free by just avoiding corporate style emails. And you'll notice if you open an author media email, it's just plain text. It feels like an email that would have been sent from my personal computer. And we have typically around a 50% open rate on our emails following these principles that I've been talking about. And that's a pretty impressive open rate. Some people have higher but for a list over 10,000 that's sent from a company, 50% open rate is really good. I'm very happy with that open rate. And we have a really good click-through rate as well. And part of the reason that our numbers are so good is because the emails are filled with value, but they're also not overly fancy. We're not trying to rely on style. We're relying on substance. Email is a medium that rewards substance. If you can give consistent value, in every email, people will want to open your emails, click on your links, and even, if you're lucky, forward your email to a friend. If you're wanting more help with author email, we've put together an author email academy. This is an entire course that will walk you through step-by-step -step on creating an email list, creating a reader magnet. I'll walk you through step-by-step -step how to create a reader magnet how to do an onboarding campaign, how to rapidly grow your list to over a thousand. If, if you're not yet paying for your email program, if you're still on the free plan because you haven't gotten past 
a thousand subscribers, you really need this course because there's no reason not to have a thousand subscribers after a couple of months of doing the right things. And we walk you through exactly what to do in this course. You can find it at authormedia.com slash courses, but it's also included for free as part of Obscure No More. So if you're an Obscure No More student, you get the author email academy included And if you're taking the book launch blueprint, which we're doing for the final time this year in 2024, when you sign up for the book launch blueprint, you'll be offered in the checkout page the ability to get the author email academy for like 80% off. And so that's a good time to get it if you're not an obscure no more student. Or you can buy the author email academy as a standalone. You're an adult and it's a free country. (laughs) Our featured patron today is Michelle Levine, author of Inquest, the AFE Defender Book 4. Join the fearless crew of the AFE Defender, a legendary ship known for their daring adventures and unbreakable bond. But when strange signals from the edges of charted space lead them on a mission with the notorious Inquest, their luck may finally run out. As they race across the galaxy to uncover the source of the mysterious signals, they must also navigate the dangerous reputation of their new partners. With every step closer to the truth, they realize they may be facing an enemy unlike anything they've encountered before. Inquest AFE Defender Book 4 is a thrilling sci-fi adventure that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Michelle Levine, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. It is your support and other patrons like you that help keep this podcast on the air. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of authormedia.com. The audio was edited by William Umstadt. The blog post was crafted by Shauna Lettler, and you can find that blog post at authormedia.com slash 406. And I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. saying thank you for listening and live long and prosper.